0: and we will do our best to
1: answer any questions you may have. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Health. My name is Will Kashergrohe, and joining me in the studio today are two really great people that I've gotten to know over a few minutes, Dr. Andrew Myers and Dr. Harold Trey Antoine. How are you guys?
0: Doing well. How about yourself?
1: Doing all right. Thanks for coming in. Good. Thanks for coming in. So we're going to be talking today about the ACS NSQIP, or as Dr. Antoine mentioned, off mic, Nesquip. Is that how you said it? Nesquip Nesquip, okay Well, we'll figure out what that is in a minute and kind of learn about it But I want to learn about you guys first So, uh, Dr. Myers, we'll start with you Just give me a little bit of background on you Where you went to school, uh, what you like to do, family, all that kind of
2: stuff Yeah, so I've lived in West Tennessee now for about 10 years uh, originally grew up in Georgia and then spent a lot of time in Tennessee. I went to mm-hmm. undergrad at Vanderbilt Medical School at UT in Memphis. When I was in school, my parents actually moved to Tennessee, so it kind of became my home state. Sure. Yeah, I trained in Birmingham where I met my wife and we moved here about 10 years ago. Welcome. You've been here for a while. But welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's been a while. Yeah.
1: <laughs> goes fast.
0: Dr. Antoine, what about you? Yeah, so I'm uh, originally from Jackson, Mississippi. Okay. Born and raised there. Went to undergrad at Ole Miss, University of Mississippi. Go Mm -hmm. Rebels. Go Rebels. (laughs) Uh, Medical school, Tulane, down in New Orleans. Uh, Did my orthopedic residency in Greenville, South Carolina with Greenville Hospital System. Okay. Finished up there in 96 and actually moved to Jackson, Mississippi, back to my hometown. Stayed there for a couple of years and then relocated up uh, to Jackson, Tennessee in 1998. So I've been here since 98. Was originally with the Jackson Clinic when I came to town, and then moved over to West Bone and Joint Clinic, which is where I am right now. Awesome. And so, have uh, married, have uh, four boys. I have four step-grandchildren, which sounds odd, because I'm too young for grandchildren. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway. So, you're
1: saying uh, your house is never quiet. That's correct. Nice. Gotcha. Well, welcome. Like I said, I'm glad to have you guys on today. And like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about Nesquip. I'll be honest, when I first started reading about it, I was really confused. As I read the press release, I was obviously enlightened, but I'm I'm excited to get to talk about what that means. So if you could just kind of give me a bit of a history of what Nesquip is, the ACS Nesquip, and uh, we'll kind of go from there.
2: Yeah, so basically the NISQIP, uh, National Surgical Quality Improvement Program, has been around and what we see it as for about 10 or 15 years. But historically, its history was developed really back in the 1980s. Um, Okay. The VA hospital system had some bad press or there were concerns about outcomes in the hospital system. And so Congress elected to track outcomes and compare that to hospitals around the country. And by the 90s, all the VA hospitals were involved so the whole system and so there was a massive amount of data and it's really just grown from that it was then rolled out to private community university hospitals and the goal of it is to track outcomes improve quality and you can do that in a kind of a peer protected program so you can share data and information with hospitals that are like you and the goal at the end of the day is to improve patient care
1: Gotcha. Okay, so we received a recognition from Nesquip at Jackson General. What did we receive the recognition for, and why is it such a big deal
0: or such a big honor? To segue off of uh, Dr. Myers' statement, it was started, I believe, by yeah the VA general surgeons and what have you, and then uh, there's the an enhanced recovery after surgery, which is a portion of, uh, of that or a spinoff of that that was started in the late 90s by a Danish surgeon. And again, like Dr. Myers had mentioned, it was to try to improve uh, patient care, patient mm-hmm. outcomes, and uh, to have more standardized perioperative workup and treatment of patients. Okay. they compare us uh, to other hospitals there's 719 hospitals that were in the program we were one of 89 that received recognition for our merit one was for uh, all hospitals and then the other i believe was uh, for high risk patients so. gotcha and this ours was our hospital was a combination of uh, both general surgery and orthopedics it initially i believe started as a colorectal and then uh it it branched into other areas, one being orthopedics, and they picked out total hip replacement and total knee replacement because those were traditionally long hospital stays in the hospital Mm -hmm. and also cost and potential for problems that can occur from those surgeries can be very costly. Sure. Uh, And also, obviously, patients uh, having uh, poor outcomes, we want to improve that and standardize that.
1: Mm-hmm. How is this recognition going
2: to benefit West Tennessee, just the community in general? The great thing about a system like this and just a little more history, and I have to give Lisa Twyman a lot of credit. You know, She was an RN, bedside nurse, critical care nurse, and then went into research and patient outcomes. And so this program was started Actually, in 2009. I'm getting these numbers from her, so sure. that's why I wanted to give her credit. And it was championed then by uh, Dr. Mahalati, and then Dr. Curry had a lot to do with putting this okay. program together as well. And we initially collected vascular and general surgery, and then in fifteen, I think we added colorectal and maybe orthopedics as well.
0: Orthopedics was, I believe, 2018. 18. We, yeah. Okay. So
2: you guys were up and going, and then
0: we they brought us on
2: board. Yeah, and if, you know, the data, if you're looking at your own institution, you know, you might have... 2,000 cases, 1,000 cases, but when you look across nationally, you, know, you have 40, 50, 60,000 cases, and so you have this huge amount of data, and if you can improve your outcome, then it translates to improvements in the community. Your patients here are going to do better, and that's, that's what's important for this community. The hospital had the foresight and put the resources into this 12, 14 years ago, and the net result with a lot of work is improvement for our patients.
1: So it just sounds to me like there's... Even more reason to trust you guys because of this recognition, because all the hard work you guys have been doing when it comes to patients choosing West Tennessee Healthcare or choosing to have surgery in West Tennessee.
0: Right, it's a win win uh, in a situation like this. Uh, sometimes the stigma of uh, smaller communities, smaller hospitals, and when I say smaller, comparing to like a Nashville or a Memphis mm-hmm. or a Dallas or an Atlanta, it's perceived by the general public that live in that area, well, I need to go to a, a larger city, they have bigger hospitals, they're better trained, they mm-hmm. have better results and what have you. So this is a, a way to portray that we are as good, if not better. And then again, based on this NISQIP uh, recognition that we've had, we're compared to over seven, I think 719 hospitals around the country. Yeah, I read only, that. On uh, the 89 received recognition or the mm-hmm. award, if you will. And we received both of the awards for that year for 2019. So anyway, it just gives uh credibility to uh, and, and confidence to the general public that live in this area that, Absolutely. Hey, you know we can go there and have fantastic health care and they have good results compared to these bigger hospitals
1: mm-hmm. seems like we're running with the big dogs if not leading the pack on that so that's that's, right. that's awesome that's really yeah, good.
2: I, I didn't realize it until you said it and I was looking back but of those hospitals the 89 received the award for either all or high risk right but we got for we both got both yeah Correct. so yeah. that um, even more exclusive. So yeah. that, it's, a,
1: it's a, a nice award. That's amazing. Idea. Did this award come from a certain kind of surgery Were there certain people who are sort of spearheading, like going for the award, or was it just a, a general collection of all surgeons working together to make this happen?
0: Uh, yeah, so it was uh, based on comparing our results to other hospitals mm-hmm. and, and specific perioperative orders, preoperative orders for both the physician, uh, the physician, the surgeon, be a general surgeon or orthopedic surgeon, the anesthesia that's involved as far as uh, they use this term multimodal, uh, which is trying to decrease, like for instance, in, uh, with the opioid crisis that's mm-hmm. across the country, that was one thing that they looked at. One of the parameters that they looked at was to try to decrease the amount of opioids that were given to at, at least our patients. I would assume general surgery as well. I, ju- mm-hmm. I just can speak for for hours. But in mm-hmm. uh, length of stay in the hospital, traditionally when I was in residency back mm-hmm. in the 90s, say uh, somebody was coming in for a hip replacement, we'd admit them the night before surgery, mm-hmm. and they'd be in the hospital for at least 7 to 10 days, whereas now we're doing these outpatient. Now, that's select patients, you know, not every patient – falls into that category. Sure. Again, back on the multimodal, for instance, uh, instead of giving someone a lot of narcotics to relieve their pain, we, we, give, we do give narcotics afterwards, but we also supplement that with other medications that are non-addictive, non-habit forming. And when we track those uh, results, we see over time, at least we have, and I'm sure general surgery has as well that uh, the use and the administration of those have, have dropped out and patients are
2: still satisfied with their pain relief. Sure, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We, we've noticed that specifically with our colon data, we looked at it, but our, um, our narcotic usage is greatly decreased and that gives you a, a faster return or faster recovery, faster out of the hospital and that improves outcomes all around. And so, I, yeah, I think that's a very good, very good point and really one of the highlights of this enhanced recovery program for so many reasons. Yeah,
1: that's amazing. So what can the community look forward to as a result of this award?
2: You know, a, a long-term, our outcomes will just continue to improve. You know, we when you look at physicians and, and really anyone, when outcomes are measured, you change your practice. And we have data that is is proven and a good standard to try and um, achieve And so they're going to continue rightfully to move the goalpost Mm -hmm. you know we've gotten much better at this so we need to tackle this area and it's just going to really improve outcomes maybe before my generation physicians thought that or you know surgeons would do an operation and their patients would recover the way they wanted them to because that's how it was done and that's how they trained sure but what you learn is there really is power in numbers and there's people out there that do it better than you and if you can emulate them you know everyone's going to benefit so it's just going to continue to improve quality. Just kind of
0: segue on that. So, uh, and I'm
2: sure you guys have had the similar, or, or you've had the similar
0: struggle as, as I've had the similar similar struggles with when you, when you have a bunch of general surgeons or orthopedics in a room, you've got a lot of opinions and you've got a lot <laughs> of, hey, this way I've done it forever and by God, I'm not going to change the way. Sure. Uh, so that's been a, a bit of a challenge, but we've actually been able to coerce those. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say peer pressure, but when you put the data out there and their number is you know an outlier on, on how they're treating patients, then you know you just got to look at the data. Opinions change. Yeah, so if you want to jump on board with us and have better results, obviously it's, uh, so we've, we've, that's been a little bit of a struggle, but it's been productive in that some of those hardline surgeons have, have come on board. And, and again, you can see even after they've come on board, it continues to trend in a positive direction. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and that's one of the, in my opinion, one of the things that can be changed or, or improved mm-hmm. in, in this system and is that, for instance, with anticoagulation. There's a lot of different anticoagulants out there and a lot of, uh, as far as treating, a, mm-hmm. uh, to prevent DVT prevention, um, if you're familiar with DVT, I'm using terms. Uh, deep venous thrombosis, a blood clot. Okay. okay. So, gotcha. In total hip and total knee replacements, there is a higher incidence of having blood clots in those patients than say somebody that just comes in to have a carpal tunnel release or, or to have a you know some other minor procedure. Gotcha. Uh, okay. They're at increased risk for developing that, and uh, because of their mobility and what have you. So, with this ERAS program, they obviously recommend physical therapy where you're exercising, moving blood to to help prevent that. But then Mm -hmm. there's also the the chemical prophylaxis, which is the medications uh, that are out there. And I think it can be improved is that there are some legitimate medicines that should be approved and they're not Mm -hmm. in this program. And there's study, for instance, uh, using 81 milligram aspirin twice a day. Uh, that's not in there. Using 325 milligram aspirin twice a day is 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 in there uh, as 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 a, as approved. Yeah. But if you use 81 milligram aspirin bid for four weeks, which is uh, what's recommended, they kick it out as an outlier. But there was a study in Cleveland Clinic that looked at 10,000 total hip and total knee replacements, and using 81 milligram aspirin bid compared to 325 milligram, and some other. Anticoagulants, mm-hmm. and it did just as well, if not better. So, I mean, you know, those things. I think it can be these. This program can be tweaked a little bit, and then you, and then you don't run up against those guys that have a chip on their shoulder. That hey, I've been doing it this way for sure. it's Hey, this data shows this right here. So I can't, I can't argue with that. You know, when they tell me that, it's just I'm saying hey, you know, it's this is the, these are the rules, and we're supposed to be following. And, right. And I, I get it. If you want to do that, that's fine. You're still, you're still following standard of care, and you're still right. treating your patients well. It's not like you're some rogue. Cowboy that you're
2: doing things on your own that doesn't have any uh,
0: merit or support. So
2: coming off that, so when you think or or maybe when people hear about these programs or things we do and surgical complications, you might think immediate. You know, what happens at the time of surgery or while they're in the hospital. But what the VA system figured out in the eighties and nineties is the majority of post op complications happen outside the hospital. Okay. And so NISQIP is tracking that as well. And so that would be your deep vein thrombosis, surgical site infections. Readmissions, a whole host of things, and so it's it's pre-op, intra-op, peri-op, and post-op that's all included. And so it's a it's a big process with a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. and impossible to do without supporting a big system. But um, so it's not just the day of surgery and when you go home; they, we're tracking you for at least 30 days. Wow! to get your outcomes.
0: Wow! Yeah, and there are some things that are out of your control. For instance, uh, if, let's say I do a total hip on somebody and they. They do well postoperatively. They go home. They're in therapy. They happen to slip in therapy. Just no problem. No, no certain. It wasn't because of surgery or what medicines they were on or what have you. They just slipped and fell and had mm-hmm. a fracture. They're readmitted to the hospital if that's within that 30 days. That's considered a complication, even though it's okay. really not a a result of the surgery and what we've done. So I think those are again other areas where the Wherever the ERAS board is, can look at and kind of remove those, or to, so we can fine tune this, so we can really get a a good because you know things
2: happen. Sure, this data is also risk adjusted, and we get into a discussion with at least the general surgeons and vascular surgeons, and uh, everyone's instinct is, well, our patients are sicker than everybody else's, and we have a lot of patients in West Tennessee Healthcare that are the West Tennessee area that that need a lot of help and have a lot of medical issues. Mm-hmm but they risk adjust the data. And so that means that a person with multiple medical issues is compared to a person with multiple medical issues at Vanderbilt or in Knoxville or um, in California. Mm -hmm. And so that helps too. It kind of levels the playing field. So that I think speaks to this award even more is that we handled sick patients, but it's risk adjusted. And so we leveled the playing field and we were still an outlier in the positive side but it is risk adjusted data and it's hard to convince people of that. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it fair. And it's shared in a HIPAA compliant way. I know that that was a big deal with Congress. Oh, when sure. this all started. Absolutely. So it's all blinded. So we, we might see Vanderbilt's data. We have no idea who those patients are. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's very protected. Gotcha.
1: I've heard about the bundle payment care initiative or BPCI. Can you kind of shed some light onto what that is?
2: Yes.
0: Uh, so I'm with West Tennessee Boney joint clinic again here in Jackson and, uh, uh, Medicare basically approached our group and asked if we would be willing to participate in this BPCI or Bundle Payment Care Initiative uh, mm-hmm. program, and and so what that is similar to what we've been talking about already with the uh, uh, ERAS, but with a, a, a few varying items. Uh, so we we use the same order set in our BPCI that we use in the ERAS uh, program. There are some other restrictions that we, we take into, say that Medicare recommends and, and that we use. And again, it's all of this is geared towards positive outcomes mm-hmm. and lessening the complications. And, and, and also, nobody ever likes to talk about it, but lessening the... Uh, the money that's spent uh you know obviously if you have listened to the news there's a lot of money that's being spent on um, medicare and the sure. it goes to that you know goes into that and what have you so if there's an area of medicine that can lower that number that's that's spent then that's uh then that's a that's a plus so we've been we as west City boner joint clinic for the past uh several years we've been in the program three or four years mm-hmm. have done well and and are participating in that and so noticed uh certainly the uh, outcomes and and what have you. One example is with it's called body mass index or Mm -hmm. uh, BMI. So there are studies that show that uh, patients that have a a high body mass index have increased potential complications and and therefore increased costs to the uh, system and what have you. And so we, because these cases are elective cases, total hip and total knee replacements are the ones we're looking at, we have the advantage of telling patients that uh, hey because you're above a certain BMI we we need you to lose weight to get down into into a safer zone mm-hmm. and it is it's a little difficult conversation at times but obviously we you know you overcome that and you know when you're looking at the big picture and to improve their outcomes and and lessen their likelihood and, and uh, the majority of patients are certainly warm up to that I mean sure. Uh, They'll say, you know, they feel as though we're, you know, we're looking out for their best interests, which we are. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, that's, I just wanted to mention that about the BPCI program that we're participating in.
2: I'm glad you brought up cost. And I know it's something that a lot of physicians don't like to talk about, but, you know, healthcare expenditures is really out of control. And in my opinion, the system's not sustainable. And eventually it's going to capitulate, meaning I think there's going to be a cap and that's all we can spend on health care. And so the program you talk about, all this ERAS stuff, and then what we see in primary care. So I'm a member of a multi-specialty group, the Jackson Clinic. Mm -hmm. The bulk of our physicians are primary care physicians, and they participate in shared savings with um, government-backed insurers, so Medicare, Medicaid. And you have your allotment of patients, and if you can control cost and quality. So there's a cost component where you're given a certain amount of financial support to take care of that population and then a quality which mm-hmm. is a multiplier and if your quality is high and you can share savings you can share that savings with the government and that promotes high quality low cost health care which is the future and mm-hmm. i think that's exactly what you guys are doing as well right.
1: yep. well this has been a great conversation i've learned a lot i'm thankful that you guys are willing to Take some time. I know you guys are busy, but take some time to come talk about it. It's a great award that we got, and uh, I'm thankful to have the level of surgeons we have in West Tennessee. I'm thankful to be part of that community. I think it's
0: great. We appreciate you having us on, and uh, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks a lot.
1: No problem. And listeners, like I said, if you're in, for some reason, need of surgery, hopefully you're not, but if you are, you have two. I have two great people in this room with me who uh, can certainly help you out. So, Don't be afraid to to give them a call or to put your trust in the West Tennessee community. Like I said a minute ago, we're running with the big dogs, if not leading the pack. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of We Talk Health.